As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. Hello and welcome back to Season 4 of the C.S. Lewis Podcast with me, Justin Briley, hosting this season of the show with Alistair McGrath back in the hot seat. Uh, thanks to all those who get in touch to tell us what you think of the show. Uh, I meant she said an excellent podcast on the life, writings and beliefs of C.S. Lewis. It's a great show. I've learned a lot about C.S. Lewis. I love everything I've learned. You can rate and review us as well wherever you listen to this podcast. It helps others to discover the show. And today with Alistair McGrath, we're continuing the conversation from last week on C.S. Lewis, Miracles and the Meaning Crisis, looking in particular at the mental health crisis too. If you want more from the show, do feel free to visit our show page, cslewispodcast.com. And if you want to support the show into 2022 from anywhere in the world, you can find links to do that again with today's podcast. Hope you enjoy today's conversation. When it came to the people he drew on, outside of obviously scripture and the Bible, which became, obviously came to mean so much to him as a, as an adult convert to Christianity, what what would you say were the the key sources of of wisdom that he he would have enjoyed delving into when it came to, you know, the philosophers and the the sources of literature that he was so familiar with? Well, for, philosophically, Lewis draws extensively on Plato, and and indeed there have been a number of studies published, in fact, saying they can see echoes of Plato at various points in his. His, uh, writings and that may be true but then you see early christian writers saw intellectual openings in platonism that they could exploit and uh, lewis in fact is really saying something like this platonism is a very natural philosophical system there are a lot of intuitive platonists out there and we can use that framework to begin to connect up with where a lot of people are but in terms of Christian writers, I mean, Athanasius and Augustine feature quite prominently in, in Lewis's thinking, not necessarily explicitly. There are many points where Lewis is clearly drawing on them, but not actively citing them. So what we see Lewis doing is not always naming his sources. He's kind of way picking up on their ideas, uh, reformulating them, restating them. But there's no doubt he is rooted in particularly early Christian writers. There's there's that wonderful line, isn't there, that um, uh, the professor gives in in the Narnia stories, where when the children come to him with with some question or other about whether Narnia is really real and whether Lucy's telling the truth, and he says something like, "It's all in Plato. 
dearie me, you know, what do they teach them at school these days? Um, did, did Lewis feel that, that, you know, his generation and young people especially were losing a connection with those sort of, you know, what he would have been raised as a standard, you know, classical education, philosoph- the philosophy of those, you know, the, those those core f- philosophers and so on. Did, did he feel that that was actually slipping away to some extent in his generation? Well, I think he did. And I think that's one of the points he made in The Abolition of Man. But I think he, he's also um, making a very important point. I think that maybe he's just alerting his readers that uh, a knowledge of, for example, um, Plato's analogy of the cave might help you get more out of reading Lewis. But I think the point here really is that what Plato is saying is it's not Christian, but it gives you a framework for articulating Christianity in a very plausible way. And indeed, you know, when I was still an atheist myself, I read Plato's Parable of the Cave, and actually it it planted doubts in my mind, I have to say. It didn't make me go anywhere, but it, it really did make me think, you know, is this the real world, or is there a there's a, is there a better world beyond this? And, and Plato raises that question very naturally and very plausibly. Hmm. I mean, I mean, Plato obviously, you know, essentially has this distinction between between the physical and the material world, the uh, the kind of the, the real world, if you like, beyond the material. Um, and 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 I've heard others critique, obviously, Christianity getting too influenced by Platonism. I, I did a podcast recently with N.T. Wright, who 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 gets rather concerned by you know overly platonic forms of christianity let's say which sort of see the body as somehow you know somewhat um something to be discarded and and we're really just heading towards some lovely spiritual ethereal reality in the future and 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 he's concerned that actually that's not what you find in the bible you find something that is very physical it's it's a a redeemed physical world is what we're promised uh, and that, that there is this danger then in Platonism. And, and he, in fact, Tom, Tom Wright has even said to me, he, he, he gets slightly concerned at the, how, how much Lewis, you know, um, delves into Plato, or creating a false dichotomy between the physical and the spiritual. Well, of course there is. Um, uh, and uh, Lewis, in my view, does not do that. He is very, very clear, for example, when he writes about the sacraments. Why are they so important? Because they are material objects which give us access to spiritual realities. But I think that the broader point is this. Um, I mean, what Lewis is trying to do is what Christian theology has done down the years, which is to achieve a balance between drawing on ways of thinking which we can use to connect up with our culture and develop our own ideas systematically, and at the same time remaining authentically Christian. And it's a very long tradition that goes right back to the the beginnings of Christianity. And it's very, very powerful because it gives Christianity the tools to engage with whatever cultural context you are in. So today we might use existentialism or something like that as we engage our culture. And the key point is to use these philosophies to engage our culture, but not to allow these philosophies to, in effect, change our way of thinking about the Christian faith. Today, it's arguable that we're seeing a mental health crisis, especially among young people, seeming to struggle often with identity, with purpose. Um, and and one wonders whether that's a peculiarly modern phenomenon or, or whether Lewis would have seen that happening in his day. I don't know. I, I sometimes get the sense that that people of Lewis's generation perhaps seem somehow more psychologically robust when it came to, you know, perhaps it was the experience of, of living through two world wars, you know, or whatever it was. What, what's your view on that? Um, and, and the way that this seems to be playing out in our culture today, the, the way that struggling for identity, meaning, purpose seems to, to, be, to be bound in with this, 
you know, in my view, this mental health crisis going on today. And and what 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 was it like in Lewis's day? Well, I think this is a very interesting question. I mean, people talk about mental health much more now than they used to. Certainly, when I was a student at Oxford back in the 1970s, we just didn't talk about mental health issues. Today, people do all the time. It's a very serious issue in academic life. Um, I think what I would say is this, that after the First World War, after the Second World War, people were very psychologically damaged by, by suffering, by trauma, and they weren't able to talk about these things. And very often they just bottled these things up. The, the memories of, of catastrophes, of, of real um, horrible things they'd seen during the Second and First World Wars. So maybe it's easier for us to talk about these today. But I think what Lewis's point really is that actually um, we we need help to be robust. And actually, one of the things that Christianity does is give you a framework of meaning which enables you to cope with trauma and with an apparently senseless world. And I think if you want to look at a book in which Lewis explores this in, in a painfully um, honest way, you might look at Grief Observed, where in effect Lewis is talking about how his world fell to bits on the death of his wife. And then he was able to reconstruct it. And again, to me, it's very, very important to note how the figure of the suffering of Christ plays a very, very important role in that whole process of reconstruction. So I would say that um, this, this issue remains important. And psychologically, there's a very large research literature which shows that a big picture, a way, a mental framework that allows you to, in effect, make sense of yourself and your world is integral to, in effect, living well. It's integral to wisdom, to well-being. And that's something I think we need Christians to rediscover, how their faith can bring mental and social stability. Again, I don't think the churches talk enough about this, but the resources are there. Yeah, I, and, and on that, when it comes to today's generation, which, as I say, arguably struggles even more than those in Lewis's day. Now, they, they you know, most of today's generation haven't lived through a war that, that has traumatized them. But nevertheless, they face different kinds of challenges. You know, a, a culture where we are bombarded with with information and opinions and um, different ideologies and everything in, in ways that, you know, Lewis never had to cope with. Um, and in a way, you know, the the further breakdown, I would say, of of, of a connection with a a bigger narrative a story that gives us meaning we we seem to live in a culture now where it's very much make your own meaning choose your own story and i think to some extent i think that becomes an almost intolerable burden for some people because we're, we're not sort of meant to just sort of make it up as we go along we, we want a story to live by we want there to be a truth out there um i mean what, what can we take from lewis for today's generation who are, who i think are going through something like that with this, you know, so-called meaning crisis and wondering where, where do I turn? Who am I supposed to be? What is my identity ultimately? Um, what, what can we take from Lewis and, and offer to people today going through that kind of a, uh, an issue? I think you're absolutely right to, to make this point because for a lot of people, um, postmodernity is about, in effect, saying there are no big pictures except the little picture we make up about ourselves. And it's made up. I mean, that's absolutely clear. So when I listen to some humanist videos saying, hey, just relax, enjoy yourselves, that's all there is. That's simply an invention. That is, uh, that is in effect, a self-serving, highly individualist way of looking at life. And 
I'd want to say you need to break free from that as soon as you can, because there's a big world out there and there are other people. You need to figure out how you fit into that bigger world and help people rather than just, in effect, look at you know having a good time yourself. I think that's a very important point. Lewis, I think, does really make a very important point. He's saying, in effect, there is a bigger picture. And once you step into that bigger picture, it brings meaning to you, but lets you figure out what you're meant to be doing, how you can serve. And that's a point he makes, I think, very clearly in that rather splendid chapter on hope in um, mere Christianity, where he says, look, um, the, the Christians who <laughs> seem to pray most are actually the ones who are most engaged with the world. In other words, that um, mm. Christianity gives you an empowering vision, which lets you break free of your selfishness and engage a bigger world. And my concern is that this um, absolutely spurious and gratuitous attempt to construct a narrative which is, hey, it's all about me being happy. I mean, we have things we need to do. There's a world of suffering and pain out there. We need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And it just seems mm-hmm. to me we really need to recover a bigger picture which helps us make sense of ourselves, but also empowers us and enables us to go and do something useful in the service of God. I do get that sense that in Lewis, you often get coming through in his literature, a sense of that, that bigger picture of um, self-sacrifice and the way that, you know, that there's a nobility and a kind of a sense of, of our ultimate purpose mm. that comes even when life is not easy, even when life, you know, we, we don't feel personally fulfilled necessarily. And, and whereas a lot of our culture today is, as you say, focused on this sort of self-fulfillment, self-betterment sort of thing. Um, and to, to, to what extent then do you think the church needs to be how can we remind people of that bigger story that that fact that we're 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 made for something much bigger than than often what we're presented by either the humanists or the you know the psychologists or the the self-help books or whatever it might be in in today's generation yeah i think that's a very important point when i read the narnia chronicles what i notice is that um when people or animals encounter aslan they are transformed they're given a sense you really matter you're given a sense they're part of a bigger story and they are inspired to find that and do it in other words they're empowered to go and do something useful and productive i think we do need to um, try and recover the difference that christ makes to the way in which we think about ourselves in our world and the way it gives us a vision of being loved by god of having something special we want to do for god and going and doing it. i think i haven't seen much of that i have to say um i i do appreciate that um there are many challenges the church has faced at the moment but i think in effect recapturing the vision of reality that lies at the heart of the christian faith is integral to this uh, there's no you know philosophy of church growth that's going to be a substitute for actually rediscovering the centrality of christ and the difference that he makes to the way we think and therefore to the way we act so i think we need to talk more about examples of people whose lives have been transformed by christ and the difference this makes to them to to what extent was lewis influenced by that you know it is notable as you pointed out earlier that he moved in a way at at this particular period in his life from making more intellectual arguments for Christianity to, to, to casting a more imaginative story-based view. And, and to that extent, I mean, I suppose, you know, we, 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 you know, the psychologists tell us we, 
we kind of a story driven creatures we're meaning seeking creatures we we can't purely exist on our you know intellectual rational capacities alone we we have to believe we're part of something bigger than us and and to to that extent you know i, I suppose lewis recognized that and 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 he wanted to draw people into a bigger story and that was why he ended up telling so many stories himself you could say i think that's a very important point um i mean many of the stories people tell themselves are entirely self-focused you are great you know you can be famous you uh, and you know it, it is it is a very seductive and very attractive narrative lewis makes the point he doesn't use this language but this is what really is talking about christianity is decentering. it says to you look no offense but you aren't the center of reality there's something else there and when you discover that your mental world will be reconstructed and you'll be liberated from this appalling self-centeredness, which in effect means you just look at yourself, you worship yourself. I think that's a very important point because one of the things that Lewis tells us is that when he was converted to Christianity, he stopped keeping a diary because he felt that was simply mm. you know self-serving now I, as a as someone who wants to understand lewis i wish he kept writing because that would have helped me at some <laughs> points but actually i can see exactly the point he's making i don't want to talk about myself i want to talk about all these wonderful writers i've discovered the difference they make and why christianity is so great and i think in effect being liberated from pretending you are great is one of the most exciting things that can happen to anyone. It means at last you can see yourself as you really are. And the good news is you can do something about that or better, mm. somebody else can do something about that and help you grow and be transformed and in effect, find the peace in acceptance by somebody else rather than constantly striving to in effect, achieve that for yourself. Just, just as we start to wind this up, Alistair, um, I mean, when it comes to Lewis himself and his obvious, you know, his conversion and the the way that he evidently felt some kind of a call ultimately to, um, you know, uh, help other people understand Christianity, whether it be through his apologetics or his story writing. Um, to, to what extent did, you know, you, you talked already about the importance of helping people to see their, their a purpose, uh, that God has a plan for them, uh, you know, that they're part of a bigger story. Do you think he felt, you know, in, in a significant way that he was being called to this particular task. This wasn't just something he accidentally fell into, let's say, that, that he really felt, actually, no, I've been given a task here. Uh, or, or is that something we can often only see in retrospect? I don't know how, how conscious Lewis was of what he was doing in the, the books he was writing and the, the stories he wrote and the way they would go on to obviously have a massive impact on people like you and me today. If you read his Problem of Pain, which was published in 1940, um, there's a little preface to it in which he talks about his own journey and how this, if you like, qualifies him to write about these topics i think that that is very important i think i think lewis is clearly saying i was trapped in this narrative that i thought was wonderful but actually it was a cage it imprisoned me and i found the way out um i want to help others do the same and i think that's why lewis needs to be read because he is very very good at helping describe how people get trapped by the self-serving narrative which you find in, in celebrity culture all the time but it doesn't satisfy it doesn't work and it is clearly nonsense and i think the real point that lewis is trying to make is there's a better story that's one story you've been told here's something that's better when you step into this world 
As the children stepped into Narnia, then you suddenly realize things are different and you have a valuable and important role you can play. Not one that you've invented, but rather something that's been entrusted to you by someone, God, who really knows what they're talking about. Now, to me, that is very significant. And we need to, that story is not being told properly. Lewis did it very, very well. We need more people like him to help people catch that vision and break free from this self-imprisonment, which has become a hallmark of our age. Just as we end then, um, any particular books uh, that you would recommend of Lewis, both on the intellectual and imaginative side, that would help people to explore this whole area of stepping into a new story, um, understanding our identity, particularly in the light of Christianity, in the light of Christ? I think Lewis is surprised by joy is really his own account of how he how he found Christianity and the difference that made. I think that that is well worth reading. I think you might like also to read The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and just notice very carefully the impact Aslan has on each of those four children. Now, each of them, in effect, finds their self-referential world transformed. So those would be very good starting points to really help you get a sense of this bigger picture into which Lewis invites us to step. He didn't make this up. It's simply a retelling of the Christian story, but it's a retelling of the Christian story against a cultural backdrop, which is that of people inventing their own ways of thinking and realizing they're trapped in something that A, isn't right, and B, doesn't satisfy. It's been great to spend some time with you talking about Lewis and the meaning crisis. Alistair, thank you very much for being with me on the podcast today. A pleasure. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the podcast. Next time, we'll begin a new conversation on C.S. Lewis, transhumanism and technology. Uh, Lewis predicted a lot of the ways in which technology could become the master rather than the servant of humans. Look out for that next time. And if you want more from the show, do go to our show page, cslewispodcast.com. And you can support the show as well from there, from anywhere in the world. Uh, Everything you're able to give makes a huge difference, helping us to continue to spread the word about the podcast and bring the thought and theology of Lewis to many poor people. Find links to do that with today's podcast. For now, thanks for being with us and see you again next time. Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information.